Welcome to She Blaze, where we're bringing you cannabis culture from a woman's point of view. And as always, here to elevate the cannabis industry. I'm one of your hosts, Ice Dawson, cannabis socialite. And I am Dashita Dawson, the weed head. Hey, sis. Hey, sis. Hey, sis. Hey, sis. On today's episode of She Blaze, we dished the details on shipping weed being a thing. Nevada makes cannabis history and CBD is on the chopping block. Okay. Well, I'm glad we made it. It was if y'all knew what we got to do to get this going every week. <laughs> a lot. A lot. So let's start things with the high of the week and I am Super excited about my high of the week, y'all, because it is a Black-owned brand that I have supported for a long time. The Arden FX has now released the Arden Mini, y'all. And she is really, really, really cute. Yes, she is. Only $260, small and mighty, okay. And I'm going to try to show y'all on camera for the people who are listening to us. It's very easy to travel. I'm holding it with one hand, again, and it holds about an ounce, as opposed to the Arden FX, which is behind us, and that's more about four ounces. Um, they also have some new accessories that I just want to point out. This is called the, um, I guess, the Frainer, um, because it's a funnel and a strainer together. Cute. Cute! And it is needed, because if you're making anything infused, like I do with my hair, skin, and nails, or Oil, um, you want to make sure you're pouring it without a mess. You can get $30 off with our code the weedhead. It includes the weedhead. Spell it right. And again, this is a travel friendly, newly launched just yesterday. Shout out to Chanel Lindsay, who is a black woman and advocate in the space in Massachusetts. And Arden has been around for a while, it's been saving my life for a while. Yes, I love the Arden. Um, I love the mini. I think it's so, so cute. cute. And <laughs> really, it's perfect for an intimate setting. You don't have to go too far. Uh, and four ounces is a lot of cannabis. So for people to use that for their first time versus one ounce is a huge difference. So shout out to her. And the innovation is great. Like, it's I love adorable. the Arden. Yes, and you can literally take it on the go. Okay. Yes. I'm dropping props. Right. Well, the framer is cute too. I'm like, I think I need that in real life. life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, can we buy? But you can buy the accessories separate from the actual Arden. And so that's the other cool part. Yeah. Uh, but this is her listening to the consumers because we've been talking about it. Yes. And when you are especially like us, people who use it all the time and we can give feedback and say, hey, it's hard to carry, it's hard to pour, and they listen. Yes, okay. Well, okay. that's exciting. Let's get into my high of the week, which is an event that's coming up on Friday. Um, the Canademic Series is doing Restore to the Shore in Atlantic City, and you will see your girls here. Dashida will be there with the book, How to Succeed in the Cannabis Industry, and I'll be, you know, helping as well. So I really want to shout that out. <laughs> you are hilarious. Is this from the secret sauce behind the boss, right? Yes. So she's yes. Making, making sure we actually go on as planned. Right. <laughs> and as planned is on Friday, 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. So it gives you all of Friday to get through, see all the exhibitors there, hear some really needed community uh, 
conversation and community building. And I really love it too, because New Jersey, uh, Atlantic City area has been interested in cannabis from the door. Actually, you're right. From the door. Very much so. From We've done a couple conferences yes. down there as well. Uh, mm-hmm. yes. Also, people don't understand that behind the casinos mm-hmm. is a low income community, uh, multiple low income communities, primarily minority ones. And so this is an opportunity for that city to also turn this into some income that can go into those communities. Yeah. I can't wait to taste some ocean grown. So get some cultivators out there, okay? I'm sure there are some already. (laughs) But they need to be at this Canadamics event. Yes. So see y'all Friday. Friday. And let's get right into this tea. And since we're talking about Atlantic City, let's just talk about New Jersey. So last week, if y'all was listening or the last episode, child, I had a heart attack on I felt like I had real tears to my eyes because it felt like in the moment of like cannabis legalizing being this thing and then y'all are just like that restrictive on product. It was just like, I was like, oh my gosh, so they can't experience honey THC or honey uh, one-to-one. Mm-hmm. You know, if you like tea, if you're somebody that doesn't want to smoke and yeah, maybe you can have a lozenger, but what if you want to sip it? What, yeah, right, exactly. So what ICE is talking about is I revealed, and so this is not really a regulatory update, if you will, but more a reminder that at some point when New Jersey legalized, the regulations initially came out and it is without edibles. They're not allowed to sell edibles in the market. And edibles represent a lot of different things. And I think people don't understand that a gummy, the number one selling edible is an edible. Um, Technically, even pills technically, because the way they're being um, processed and your body metabolized is really also an edible. Hopefully the pill is further broken down in a way that allows it to process faster. But to your point, there's so many things that, you know, it's in people's coffees. You got, you got the honey, you got the condiments. Um, You do have people that this is the only way that they're going to be able to really get the benefit of cannabis relief. And there's a reason why Flintstones moved all their products to gummies for vitamins. Right. Okay. So, (laughs) Um, so I think this is a real mistake. I think when we look at the market on the mature markets, edibles represent a lot. Um, It's also, it's the beverages too, right? Like we, we've talked in the past about beverages that are very much small micro doses are meant to replace the wine cooler or a wine or beer. And those are not allowed either. Mm, So sad to hear, but I'm glad to hear as I found out about this, I also found out that they um, basically are releasing regulations saying that, you know, cannabis shouldn't be included in these drug-free work policies. Like, you know, people, employers shouldn't get fired because they're uh, using cannabis off the clock, right? right? We're calling it, they well, they call it lawful off-duty use. And in some cases, we are seeing states not really uh, include cannabis. Nevada's one of them. But um, New Jersey just recently released interim. Again, interim means it's temporary. So I always find a little bit like, yeah, this is a good look, but problematic because we're going to have to keep worrying about if there's a new chair, is there a new control board? Are they going to change something, right? 
if it's not the rule, right? right? And so this is interim. They're giving guidance to basically say, hey, you should not be doing this. But we do have a lot of employers who feel, and I'm like, I wanted to tell them the real, but they feel very strongly. How do they keep their workplace safe? And I'm like, y'all, there is an unregulated illegal market that has been around for a long time. There are a lot of responsible users already, millions of them, and they work at your job. Now, you can choose to come to work crazy, and most people are not doing that. People are coming to work, you know, responsible, right? right. You know, but you cannot use a metabolite that can stay in my system for 30 days to determine if I'm impaired right that second. And that's really what this is about. They cannot do that. We right. don't have the science for that. Right. And I think it's definitely, well, that's what happens when the government just does not know science. You know, they're not, they're not making <laughs> any rules around science. And I really just feel like it's definitely hard for you to determine when somebody used cannabis. And to your point, yeah, it's been around for how long and you didn't know uh, it's like they just got an epiphany when it legalized. Like, oh my God, people use cannabis at work. It's like, what? It, or people at work use cannabis when they are off duty. The right. same way they're drinking their wine, the same way that they may do other things. I think having a drug-free workplace simply means that you want people to be um, their best self at the workplace. Um, even calling it drug-free is a little bit like, I got to work on your branding because you got plenty of people at your job on Xanax. You got plenty of people on plenty of drugs there, right. um, opioids and the like, and um, over-the-counter drugs, NSAIDs, uh, uh, epinephrine, and the things that are needed. You could be having a drug in your pocketbook because if you get stung by a bee, you need a shot. So the fact of the matter is I just feel like it's a little unrealistic. If it is inherently medicinal and now adult use 21 and over, it's time to get with the times. I know that's right. Mm -hmm. Well, so hopefully this could be a final rule at some point, um, because what y'all definitely don't want is some lawsuits. So let's go to hot topic number two. Okay. Mm. Because that right there is some history that has been made. Um, Nevada basically had a judge rule that the Nevada Board of Pharmacy has to remove cannabis as a struggle, a schedule one drug. Thank God. Small win. It is a small win. It's a, a good win. I mean, uh, one, we've been talking about this for a while. When your board of pharmacy still considers the cannabis a schedule one, you don't have many pharmacists that want to be in the industry. You don't have many people that want to be in the industry. Um, and so this hopefully will free up people wanting to be in the industry, but also it was incongruent with the constitution. The minute that adult use legalized, the constitution in Nevada changed to say that this is no longer um, an illegal substance. And right. that is why it is on um, the schedule one. Now, real talk, this probably is something that should have happened with the medical program right. because schedule one designation means no medical value, um, but now it's being removed altogether. So it's not schedule two, schedule three. It is, I could buy it over the counter when I want to, if I'm trying 21 and over. So you shouldn't be penalizing me. I think that's amazing. Um, and it is also helping people get their justice restored, which yes. is really, really important. Um, and the lawsuit was actually filed by CEI CC, yes. sorry, <laughs> which is, uh, <laughs> it is community. <laughs> sorry, y'all. My, my thing is, 
sorry, cannabis equity and inclusion community. I got my script on large, you guys, so it's a lot longer than I'm used to. <laughs> <laughs> but no, shout out to CEIC. Aisha Goins mm -hmm. is a lead um, lobbyist and advocate out of Nevada. We've definitely supported them um, since we were in Nevada for a stint, and mm -hmm. they have very clear goals that are aligned. Yes. yes, and we did see it from the start because they were really starting to initiate it. So for them to get together and hear what the community wants, and then partnering with the uh, with the law ACLU mm -hmm. um, of Nevada, they were able to bring this to life. Yeah, and have this is what this is what the government is. This is what you do when the government doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. You got to check the government, and so that's what they did. And you know, it's very hard to do it. Okay, so let's mm -hmm. just be clear: ACLU and uh, the CEIC didn't have a case without an individual, right. and there was an individual who is suffering because of the Schedule One. There are probably many, many millions of others, and so this is a precedent case that they chose uh, to help pursue because by themselves, I don't think that the individual and Antoine Poole, I don't think he would have been able to do this. Right. Um, and so private citizen um, got together with an advocacy community organization, CEIC, which said we got to bring in bigger people. And that's the ACLU who have lawyers on staff, literally, um, that do exactly this. Right. And so that's how we work in coalition. Right. And that's that's community building, like looking out for your people and making the government work for you. Right. Like if I have to sue the government for you guys to do the job, y'all have to do make the right decision, too, because we know some of these courts been a little finicky. Honey. Yes. And um, I just have to say, because we talked about it with New Jersey, that Nevada did the right thing here as far as their Supreme Court. But not but a few weeks ago, Nevada also denied lawful off-duty use as in being protected for employees, um, employers. Um, or So I, I, I feel there's still a little hypocrisy. Um, so basically it's saying, hey, it's not a Schedule 1, but the other judge of the Supreme Court decided, Nevada Supreme Court decided, but we can't protect it under the law because it's still a federal Schedule 1. Right. You see how they do that. Right. Um, and so as long as it is federally, federally scheduled as that, we still will run into these issues where we're not getting full rights, full civil rights as right. users. And can't the president just deschedule? There's a lot of things that could just happen, you know, at the executive branch level, um, especially since the DOJ um, and the um, eradication and suppression of the DEA, all that rolls up to the president. And so if you're rolling up, under the president, yes, the president can make an executive order to say, hey, we don't do this anymore. Or, hey, we need, we've proven there's medical value. That's the BS for me. It's like, we don't have to have a discussion. We're proven as medical value. It literally was a unanimously passed bill in the Senate to study more of this um, because we know it is medicinally valuable to us. And so, it shouldn't be a schedule one. We know that. Right. Even if it was schedule two, three, but it should not be no medicinal value. Right. That's just wrong. And it is a disservice. And it's the reason why people are still getting locked up all over the country. Yeah. Maybe why people's health is declining too, because we know it has medicine in it. And even the basic things got medicine in it, you know, right. different cannabinoids that don't even intact 
intoxicate you got medicine in it. And, you know, so hopefully we get it together at some point. We're still waiting to hear word. Word on the curb is we're not going to hear anything about cannabis until after elections. Mm, um, maybe. I think that there are some federal bills. You know, I'm working on a couple. Well, the, uh, from the executive branch. I oh, like, I don't care what they got to say at this point anymore, because I feel like you were already making us do all this work going through the legislative branch. It's a lot of work to write legislation just so that you can decriminalize something that you could do with a stroke of a pen. So I'm already salty. Okay. Oh. I'm just saying I'm salty because people could, that we don't need to do all this to free people. And the fact that we're debating it, it just tells me that you can't trust necessarily politicians because they absolutely ran on a premise that they were going to not do this much longer. Right. And we're going into year three. Yes. Yes. And they even got their little bureaus uh, regulating CBD all crazy. So exactly. So. <laughs> we, we're not listening. So. I'm not that pressed for a federal legalization. Everybody can ask. And you know what? A lot of people are ready to jump into. And I say that is what is saving us right now. We need more states to come online. We need New York, New Jersey, figuring it out right nevada backtracking and figuring it out but we don't need current status to be the backdrop or the foundation for the federal legalization because they don't know what they're doing and there is a lot of misinformation and still a lot of racist biased information too right uh-huh. Exactly, exactly. And they're still biased. They're even biased on poor CBD, honey. So let's go into this hot oh topic number three because <laughs> CBD is getting the chopping block. CBD is on the chopping block this week. I don't know what CBD do to y'all, but geez, you know, like, ooh. so let's first start with Idaho. I know a lot of people don't know where that's located. But <laughs> that is in the northwest region of Absolutely. America. It is adjacent <laughs> to Oregon, so I am aware of what Idaho's been saying and got to say about cannabis, but let's continue. Well, <laughs> basically, Idaho State Department of Agriculture just let everybody know that it is illegal to give your pet CBD. Okay, you cannot you cannot sell CBD or anything as far as with pets in the state of That's Idaho terrible. starting November 1st. So, you know, y'all better hurry up and empty out your shelves um, because they're, they're just not interested. I think that's sad. I mean, you know how I feel about pets, right? First of all, um, one, they have an endocannabinoid system too. And in fact, I was I was talking to veterans this week at the Cannabis Science Conference, their endocannabidome and how it impacts across the back area for them is apparently a lot larger even than that of humans, um, which then it doesn't surprise me. As you know, I added a chapter about pets in our book, How to Succeed in the Cannabis Industry. And that's because I had my own personal experience with our family dog, Tonka. Tonka had mast cell disease. Tonka was only given six months to live. They were saying, put Tonka down. How about we put Tonka on a very, very um, potent CBD uh, regimen and Tonka lived another four years and he was already old. Um, Did it eliminate the mast cell all the way? Absolutely not. But it certainly stopped the inflammation to the point where he was coughing and passing 
passing out, literally pass out, fall out. And so we were able to extend time. Four years with a dog is like having another 28 years with the dog because of the seven years dog lives kind of thing. And so what I will say is that this is another uh, civil rights taken away. You care about your pet and the same way you want to care about what you put in your body, a lot of people care about what they put in their pet family members' <laughs> bodies. And a lot of pets, especially ones living in a city, need CBD for anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, And not just pets. If it's Idaho, y'all probably got more than pets. Y'all probably got a pet fox, a pet raccoon, pet cow, pet horse. So the, yeah, it's animals in mm-hmm. general. Yes, you're right. And in fact, I think if we were introducing hemp back into the diet of our livestock, we would be doing a lot better ourselves because right. that is what was the case in the 1800s. Like We used to have it as part of our diet pretty regularly. Right. Um, but this is sad. Idaho doesn't surprise me though because they already done said on the record they are not legalizing uh, marijuana, high THC cannabis, until the government says they need to legalize. And by the government, they mean the federal government, honey, because they are not doing it. Mm-mm. It sounds like Idaho just want to keep locking y'all up, child, okay? Because they're about to get smushed a little bit, so, you know. I think Idaho is, like you said, missing out on the money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely need to work on that. Most people are coming across the border into Oregon uh, to get their cannabis. Mm, they could probably barely afford it because it is like the 13th state for how, like being the poorest of household median income. So yeah. uh, that means that they need some jobs picking some hemp Okay, they need some jobs cultivating some cannabis, manufacturing some hemp, manufacturing cannabis, producing products, because that's what you could do with a lot of hemp. And a matter of fact, if you think about it, if this was to legalize federally, there's an opportunity to become a manufacturer center. They have a lot of land, but they're very, very anti, very, like to an extent, it's almost like ridiculous. Well, you know, I definitely have some thoughts about that right there. They were the last to implement all kinds of CBD stuff, but they might just be taking the lead from the FDA, okay? Um, Because according to the FDA, honey, they was talking about, yeah, it is illegal for you to sell CBD products for animals. It is because, and this is the little bit of information why they Mm. gave it to us. Mm-hmm. Because can- cannabinoids might be unsafe for animals in the food supply. I mean, I don't even have the patience for this. And mm-hmm. I thank y'all for joining us every week for my yes, therapy session on She Blaze here, which is like, yo, I'm working under these same type of constraints. It's like, you don't, you're not paying attention to the science. How do y'all have um, the ability for, you know, people to understand uh, that there should be a a patent, right? The United States uh, Health and Human Services had a patent that just got discharged, by the way. So mm-hmm. now they can say they don't know, but we know and we always been knowing. But you have a patent for its health benefits, and now you're trying to not have it for the animals. It just doesn't make sense to me. I definitely feel like people need to work on um, more and more just correcting the government on the, you know, the truth. <laughs> Well, I guess my question is, what data are they looking for to determine whether it's safe or unsafe to even do that? Because I feel like I buy a lot of products in the store that says not FDA approved. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're not looking at any data, really. I think it's really about no one's come through with the FDA approved uh, 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 study 
to say is safe and cannabinoids are not what we call generally regarded as safe or G-R-A-S. When you are generally regarded as safe, like water, for example, although we are learning from Mississippi and Michigan and even in the projects of New York City, so that where all the black water is not necessarily generally regarded people. as safe, but I digress. Um, but yeah, that grass number is assigned to um, molecules and chemicals that are regarded as safe and cannabinoids are not that. It will require the FDA actually making some study. So this is a sweeping recommendation based on fear. And lobbyists, lobbyists who are coming in, preying on the people who, you know, um, look at those um, in the arms of the angel uh, pet, uh, oh, with the ASPCA, yeah, preying on those people, right? Gosh. You say, we don't know what we're giving our animals. Meanwhile, you could be saving animals, right? Um, a lot of grief, pain, right. anxiety, sleep. They struggle with the same things that we struggle with. And those are the top three reasons people are using cannabis of all types, mm. not just high THC. Exactly. Well, that's very unfortunate for the animals, very unfortunate for the FDA, but still coming out of the federal government is the Department of Defense saying that you can't use any type of CBD, even if you want CBD tropical topicals, okay? You want to put it on your skin. If you can't, you can't even use CBD infused hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer, whatever that means, because it could compromise the military readiness. I ain't got nothing for it. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm like, listen, if y'all what is this? These are lobbying things that be happening behind the scenes. Yeah, wow, you know, and some of the biggest lobbying things in cannabis is fighting over who's better. Man, we might need some of them. Yes, I definitely think this is one of those examples of where the pharmaceutical industry is engaging privately with uh, the government, which they've been doing already. They have inside uh, conversations, and this does not feel like it's legitimate um, for what we know is happening. So basically, if you work for the Department of Defense, you could be just putting in entry of numbers. You can't use CBD. Um, which means someone like me, right, who have an autoimmune issue, I rely on CBD as my go-to baseline because I know I'm traveling in markets that don't have high THC. Of course, I need THC too, um, but I'm in those markets and I want to make sure I'm staying safe and not getting incarcerated um, mm -hmm. unnecessarily. And so I use CBD. And that is what I feel is the human rights issue. I have a right to use the medicine that is best for me. And if you're already struggling with opioid crisis, um, how is it that because I choose to work for the federal government, in this case, the Department of Defense, that I don't get to take care of myself and my body and what I need because you are fearful because you don't know and you're not willing to research. Well, what the hell mm -hmm. is some CBD hand, sign, hand sanitizer <laughs> or hemp seed hand sanitizer going to do to you, child? I don't know how I don't make you ready, but whatever it is, it is fear-based and is being pushed by people who do not want CBD to continue its proliferation. CBD alone by itself, we're not even talking about all the other cannabinoids, CBD alone is a market disruptor to the tune of a half a billion dollars easy on just anxiety, pain, and sleep, okay? I, I, again, I keep talking about those three things because those three things really are the main reason we even take drugs today. Mm -hmm. And so if you know that one cannabinoid, not even well done, not even high of potency, can interfere with 
going to the closet for your Xanax or going to the thing for your opiate, of course, the people who make those drugs are going to be like, no, we don't want that. Even if it's just a hand sanitizer, we don't want it, period. And this is just step one or 20, really, because they've been doing this forever. Honey, they got some hood science going on up in Don't there. Don't the hood. That's they, called bro science. That's please. bro science, <laughs> but I'm just saying that's some ghetto hood, ghetto science. Okay, trailer science, maybe whatever, whatever. <laughs> like not even real, not real science, science okay. coming out of here. But this is our government. Okay, they have better science cooking crack. So I just don't know how they don't understand. Why CBD hand sanitizer is not going to do nothing that bad, okay? It's to make your hands not dry as hell when you put on hand sanitizer partner. For the people who do not watch us and only listen to her, and us, if you could see my face when she said they do better cooking crack, because the truth is the crack epidemic, we do know epidemic in, in quotes that the data they were telling us wasn't real and the government was perpetuating a story and they themselves were the primary reason these things were in our community. So you're right. They can't cook crack better than <laughs> what they got with the CBD. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. So you they're know. definitely willing to give us crack, but they will not give us CBD. This is crazy, but mm -hmm. it, is, it is the world we live in and, and it's something that I'm constantly stressed out about because I see it happening. I'm in some of the rooms and I get to stand up and say, no, that right but it is prevalent and it is something that we have to compete against compete against is probably the word that i use because i consider that the opposition right That's they the opposition. actually are the op <laughs> and you know we're so busy fighting ourselves internally that we're not realizing that we the people need to be on a better understand i'm saying i'm not saying we got to agree on every single thing even though data is data we don't have to agree on every single thing but we got to agree to disagree enough to push forward and beat the opposition but instead we find each other and they may not want our stuff in their different groups and industries but they sure do want us to be able to sue each other in the court of law honey. Oh my and so oregon has a um that a base company is a cannabis based company out of oregon called northwest natural goods and they got a lawsuit against Canopy Growth. Yep. And Oregon is really known, this Northwest uh, Natural Goods, I don't really know them as that name. I actually just know them as wow. That's why I was struggling so hard, which, you know, they got building blocks of companies with this cannabis things. And so while the brand, which is what you find in the stores, um, they have a CBD brand mm -hmm. and they are real upset about what's happening with their CBD brand. So they have put Canopy Growth in a lawsuit for their Martha Stewart's brand. Yes, honey, that's why it's hot tea. Because you know Martha Stewart is the old lady of cannabis. Mm -hmm. Like every everybody referenced Martha Stewart as somebody using cannabis. And so mm -hmm. her having a CBD store and all her connections in mainstream, though that that's a hard to compete for when you are a mom and pop type of uh company mm -hmm. coming out of um state that i mean or okay but um <laughs> no shade she's right okay <laughs> no 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 shade no shade no shade well more about the lawsuit is that basically canopy growth you know they be buying everything child so they were trying to buy um the wild company and so they revealed all these things they were partnering looking at brands to make cbd come alive and then like always happens in cannabis it just went away. Mm -hmm. It did not work out for whatever reason. And a year later, okay, 
they had their Marcus Stewart CBD brand. And I was like, wait, what? And <laughs> that's because they CBD like, brand. What What's this? Right. They literally look just like them. They have the same flavors like uh, blackberry lemon and raspberry CBD gummies, which the FDA said you're not supposed to be making. But um, And it's copyrighted. You know, so they was even using their little not FDA approved font and signatures. So that why I was not no. feeling it. Can't be gross and we biting that. Right, right, right. <laughs> You know what? We just don't appropriate the whole damn thing. OMG. And so basically, they were trying to get into vitamin shop. True to y'all. Allegedly trying to get into vitamin shop. Vitamin shop would not let them in because it looks so similar to Martha Stewart and being priced just only a little bit yeah. below it. It would just be too confusing, they said. Um, so they say at the vitamin shop. Mm-hmm. And so that was their last final straw. And they suing these mofos. And they should, as they should. <laughs> but no, uh, I know Wild very well because I'm obviously in the city of Portland and in the Oregon market. Uh, Wild has amazing gummies. Like yes. that's the part that is like this real, real, real. They must have been real thirsty for an acquisition or a combination. People want to grow. And Wild does have a very big footprint in Oregon. And it's definitely one of the top selling gummies globally. It, I, I have people on the East Coast ask me about Wild. Um, my understanding is they may be a Massachusetts too. Um, so they're a multi-state brand, um, but they primarily are out of Oregon. And when you go to a Whole Foods in Oregon, you're going to see their wild CBD mm-hmm. and they're, they're amazing. And yes, that blackberry lemon is amazing. Um, and they have really good efficacy. It is vegan. It's all the things that you want to have in a good gummy. And so I want to give them props to that. But what I will say is shame on them for not going to into this canopy growth conversation with proper NDAs and non-competes because yeah, you might be thirsty for that acquisition or thirsty for that injection of money. And so you're sharing what your best practices are and God knows canopy growth don't got no best practices to share with anybody other than how to buy another company. And so what I, I understand happened here is that Canary Grove did not go through with this mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And I'm sure it probably had to do with terms that Wow was not necessarily willing to take on because they like to be the Goliath here and stomp on people a bit. They said, you know what? We're going to get with a brand. And they basically bit everything and threw it under the brand. And yes, they do have a benefit because everybody knows Martha Stewart. And even though it don't compel me to go shop and buy it, <laughs> um, it compels other people who look at Martha Stewart and say, oh, I know her and I love her and I do bake her pies and whatever and I buy her brand of whatever food is in my closet and so I'm going to buy the the CBD gummies. Um, And Vitamin Shop is wild because and and I use that term on purpose because how you going to talk about it's too much similar when that is actually what we do in retail with private label. So when you go into a Walmart or a Target or even a Vitamin Shop, you're going to see the brand label, right? It might be the Martha Stewart kind. It might be whatever brand, but then you're going to see Equate next to it and it's going to look similar it's going to sound similar Mm -hmm. it it is what you do and so i think when you're building initially um a category Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that you have a good diversity in the category and i do agree with that part of it but i also thought it was a little bit shady because y'all about to do the same thing right (laughs) i would be going to like you get some coin from canopy go you might want to add some coin to the side for a lawsuit against vitamin shop honey they don't got much money but they, I'd be like, that was discriminating against my product. Perhaps. I mean, at the end of the day, every retailer has their 
the ability to determine what they're going to buy and what they're not going to buy. Sure. And if it is about comp competition and they only have a slot for one, at least they were honest. But if anything, hopefully it drew to the attention of Wild that Canopy Grow has gone and bit your whole ish and put it under a brand that will grow faster, unfortunately for them. And what they're going to have to do is stick with it because Canopy Grow is good for settling out of court because they have enough money to let a lawsuit go on and on and on. And those are hours of uh, at $400, $500 per hour rates for their attorneys. So it is something that I just don't see it. We'll watch it, but I, I'm going to predict a settlement. Yeah, well, they probably going to have to pull some money from their little invisible stocks they be selling. The <laughs> but let me... Are you talking about Canopy Grow? Yes. Oh, the shade yeah. is real. Oh, sorry, you guys. Let's go on to the main topic because <laughs> we got real shady with these hot topics. But y'all see why we said CBD was on the chopping block. It is. It's that was a lot coming after CBD. And you're right. I think the last point I just want to reiterate is what you said. While we're doing the infighting, Wild is a great brand. Yes. Meanwhile, you're seeing like they're setting you up for you not being able to be used elsewhere. It's a setup. So it should be wild and can it be grow coming together and pushing back on what's happening with you know the DOD right. or whatever. Right. And can it be grow, you got enough money to make your own brand, y'all. Period. Yes. <laughs> so you got enough money to do the R and D, but they they're cutting corners. They want that bottom line. They've been because they giving us invisible, allegedly giving us invisible. It's like thoughts. terrible PM management. PNL management, but I digress. Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay, you guys, <laughs> let's go to the main stop living. You ain't about to sue me, me okay? <laughs> My name is not. Okay, we know about the Cardi B story. Okay, <laughs> y'all not about to sue me. Allegedly, Canopy Grow. I don't know. I do know that I would love to see them books, but from your computer, not from the downloadable on some like allegedly Donald Trump stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> don't you can't come sue me. I don't, I don't we don't know. know. Okay, but we right. do, we suspect. Right, we are the Facebook detective, the cannabis. <laughs> The cannabis the detectors <laughs> on cannabis, heck yeah. Yes, yeah, the detectives, you gotta be on your detective thing. You know, you're gonna be a sleuth. There was a whole thing on social media about, you know, our like true crime sleuths and internet detectives, like a really good thing because they've helped solve so many cold cases or help release people out of jail right. for being in jail for a long time. Um, and so that's what we're doing with cannabis, y'all. Girl, that's what she doing with cannabis. I um, mean, she's the one finding all the tea. I am always a little shocked sometimes when she's telling us what's going on. <laughs> Hence my facial expression when you were reading that. I'm like, yo, y'all got to watch the video because I, listen, I, the things that you find, and I'm like, where are you finding it? But okay, mm -mm, you can't tell your secrets. You know, you can't reveal secrets, but what we can do is help make our industry better. So we're going to lighten the mood with our main topic, talking about this really impressive and like unheard of, unthinkable thing that's like ha dropped this week in the cannabis industry. Yes. Um, I'm like, okay, first of all, I have to just give a shout out to um, the people that I know are behind this. So I'm going to give a shout out to Shalene Title and Parabola Center because this is the first bill, uh, the Small and Homestead Independent Producers or the SHIP Act, that um, they have actually formally in 
endorse. And when you endorse a bill, it is a big deal. But also, I mean, she's probably working behind the scenes to make sure that the bill looks the way we need it to look. And um, gotta love New York for your background. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm 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 excited because there's some real business um, strategery <laughs> going on here, and and it's good to always see when the government is forward thinking. Absolutely, especially because you know everyone's pushing federal legalization, federal legalization. I'm like, well, who y'all got on y'all team? <laughs> and these are the type of people right. that we need on our team to create these bills that just make more sense for the people. Right. You know, we talk a lot about black and brown people, people of color, but just some general people like in Idaho, because I don't know how many brown people live out there. But there's but, poor people that live out there, and they, they use it. Yes. yes. So this is, you know really non-color um and so it was introduced this week and basically it's about allowing uh small growers small farmers to ship directly to the consumer directly to the person in state or even out of state that has a legal market yeah um and this is at the federal level you guys and it is for traditional postal service and private services as well mm -hmm. um so it's really exciting to hear this because things like wild would be able to actually ship me the gummies that i love from them <laughs> directly with the THC. right with the tac or put it on my subscription plan because you know we love those so like my mind just blew when i started hearing about some of these things. Yes, I think it's the first step. I mean, I don't know if this bill is specifically for manufacturers like Wild. However, when you think about the fact that they are cultivating the cannabis flower, whether it's hemp flower or high THC, that flower can now be uh, shipped. Uh, the, the idea is that whatever they produce, they can now get it to people. I loved it. Yes. And it's for small cultivators. So sorry, big Goliaths, you're not welcome. But, you know, <laughs> it is for um, something around 22,000 square feet um, in a greenhouse uh, outdoor space. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool to hear because we hear a lot about different licenses here and we're hearing a lot about micro business micro business and so these are the people that essentially use those type of small spaces the most yes absolutely um and a micro business is not necessarily not going to be a profitable good long business i think people are some really just automatically think that they're going to be multi-billionaires and the truth of the matter is it's okay to be thousandaires especially if you're starting there and you leave something that you can pass on to your kids um but more and more whether it's produce and um, hair products more and more this direct to consumer model is actually a big deal and it is really helpful for any small producer any industry to get to the customer that really wants to shop them uh yes and i mean i'm i'm really excited i think it's going to be really cool for this tri-state area um and allow for more money to come within the community definitely um which is why i think it's so important that people at least understand even though the bill was introduced like i got a lot of questions um what is direct to consumer how why is that important and is it really going to help and so i think we I really want to make sure we are breaking down the direct to consumer model and why that's important for um, just small businesses in general, not just the, the small farmers and cultivators in the cannabis space, but this is a 
model that works for businesses that are small period well let me ask you a question i i thought we you may have talked to me about something that happened with small farmers outside of cannabis with them having to kind of go through these hoops to be able to uh send their stuff as well yes so this is something that is really replicating a model that has been working with small farmers like now there are ways like you could go in as a collective and you pay your money and you are directly connected with black and brown farmers indigenous farmers that are going to make or have the food produce that you want. They're gonna ship it to you directly. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do it one-on-one. So if you have your favorite farmer that's making the oranges that you love out in Florida and you want to buy it directly from them, there are means now that before what were not the case. I mean, there is big agriculture, right? So big everything exists in the United States because capitalism is king. Um, and even though we don't have an official monarch, clearly capitalism is the king ruling the United States of America at the moment. And so that's what impacts small businesses. It's like all of the money is what is talking. Um, and so small farmers have seen a lot more uh, positive impact from being able to go direct to consumer. And I'm going to be real. When I talk about the way I shop for cannabis and what I need, I'm not... Listen, I don't want Walmart weed. I'm going to say that already. I don't want Walmart anything. Real far. I mean, I don't even really want Target weed, and I love Target, right? <laughs> so what I mean is I don't really want mass weed. I will buy it as a foundation, like a certain strains or cultivars. But when it comes to my ailments, I want diversity in the strains. I want to be able to get unique and very um, exoticals, as you would say. And sometimes you got to go right to the farmer or the cultivator to do that. Also... Sometimes you run out of stuff in a regular retail space. And so as a patient, I ain't trying to run out. And so if I can get someone who's cultivating something that works to me and I can get it directly shipped to me, I'm a shop like that. I agree. You know, we go to all markets and we have shop every market in this country. And uh, I would have to agree with a lot of dispensaries house a lot of the same cannabis you know a lot of the cultivation sites are growing the same seeds if it is a seed that won the cannabis cup the harvest before guarantee you it is flooded the the dispensary so it's not that much diversity um when you are buying these things so being able to get something really like niche for that craft they are actually a you know great grower and cultivator and stuff like that and um i i feel like there is definitely not enough diversity with the plants okay like no. and here's the thing we don't even know what cannabis looks like between 0.3 percent thc and like i would say the lowest i've seen is maybe 12 or 13 percent but there's a whole spectrum that we don't cultivate too and technically it is marijuana and technically we do need federal legalization for that to happen and this bill means that people who are making in those realms, maybe that that's not mass. Maybe that's not the way people are going to buy. They maybe want really, really low amount or really, really high amount in quotes. But what about the in-betweenies? And I'm an in-betweenie. I definitely think that when I'm just smoking the flower or using the flower, yeah, I'm looking for a range of a chemical variety. But if I was making tinctures, I'm wanting to have the highest percentage of the cannabinoids as possible because I'm extracting it out and never do some other things. But if you're using the flower purely, you want a diversity. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I definitely agree, especially because, you know, the cannabis industry would be a whole lot of drama. So sometimes you can 
can't even find certain brands in the dispensary because this one and that one. So it can be like, nope, you just go directly on the website, do your thing. I mean, they already got Apple Pay. Um, they got like different payment processing systems now too right. so it'll be another area outside of just the shipping part okay that will need to be really made for cannabis 1000 percent. i'll also just add that the ship act only really goes into effect if there's a federal legalization so again this is the strategy it's advanced strategy it's basically saying it's an inevitability that we're going to legalize and when it does we need to make sure that small businesses can actually compete and the best way to do that is giving them the ability to do direct to consumer um and that is something i think is very forward thinking and very smart um mm. and it isn't a lot of people that are doing that type of conceptual thinking about how small businesses can be um, preserved. Well, a lot of people are putting um, their own ballot initiatives together. Things like this act are things you can use as your baseline for putting your initiative together. If Mississippi, if you ever could uh, get a ballot again, um, these are the type of acts you put together like a little puzzle piece. 1000%. And I think the last thing is you put it together like a puzzle piece at the state level, but you also at the federal level. So anytime we have something new introduced, mm -hmm. um, we should be building on this. So now I'm sorry, if I see another comprehensive bill, I'm going to be like, where's the section about the ship? being part for small and homestead independent producers. Um, same way we think about safe banking and how we've added amendments. These are the type of changes that we need to keep seeing go forward, even if the bill doesn't pass all the way, it can be continued to be improved upon. So that what does eventually pass is not five years behind the industry. Right. Well, this is so exciting. I mean, I feel like this is a great way to leave off like the episode on a high note. You know, a real high note, yeah. yes. I yeah. mean, it's just again, uh, very good work. I don't anticipate it, like, it's not gonna go all the way to the president's desk now. Um, but it is one of those things that lays the groundwork, and if it passes in the house, it's a precedent, like you said, yes. And I can't wait to see it in the uh, new bill they introduced in the Senate next, next, next session. session. We're still in the current session, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> I know you know the politics. You're like, this ain't going to be in it. <laughs> but she's right. Um, we'll probably have to wait for another bill to be introduced. Yes. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us, listening in to us. Talk about everything happening in the cannabis industry this week. And you can always follow us at she underscore blaze on IG. Yes. Um, and make sure you listen to us anytime on replay, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you hear podcasts, honey. Mm -hmm. And uh, subscribe to our channel, The We Had. Yes. Share this video, please. And as well as like us, drop some comments in the video. We'll have all the links to the um, articles we discussed this all week. Receipts. Oh, yes, because we come with a bondful, honey. A bondful receipts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And make sure you follow me, Ice Dawson, at um, IG, maybe. Oh, my goodness. Um, and you can follow me at Nishita Dawson on IG and Twitter. You can also hear me every week on the Lurie Darian Favor Show, Channel 126 and Sirius, for the Flower to the People segment on Thursdays at 11.15 a.m. Easter time. Yes. yes. Well, we've had a good week. Yes, we did. We we have actually it was a great week. Yes, it was. You know, CBD may have been on the chopping block, but we still got our CBD. <laughs> yes, we did. But that being said, join us next week around what 12-ish, one-ish. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. 
Well, maybe not next week. Maybe. I don't know. Are we taking a gap? I don't know. We are going to be on the road, but we'll see. It might be old school. She plays on the road again. <laughs> <laughs> she really wants us to go on tour. Yeah. We need a She Blaze tour. If you agree with me, hit us in the comments. But we need a She Blaze tour. It's time to be back in person, y'all. Anyway, I hope you have a blessed and booked week. We blessed and booked. So. <laughs> okay. Yes, ma'am. All right. Bye. Yay.